Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, podcast listeners. In today's episode, you're going to learn the easiest thing you can do to over-deliver to your clients that will differentiate you from 98% of other freelancers. How to keep a fresh perspective and keep crushing it after working on the same project for too long. And top strategies to drive leads and convert prospects at a much higher rate. Enjoy. Next question is from Daniel Sherlock. He asks, any quick ways to over-deliver for clients when handing in copy? What's up, Daniel? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, I like as you know, I've, I'm pretty much just starting. Um, but I... You know, it'd be great to know if there are any quick ways that, you know, when I'm approaching the deadline, I finish the copy and I'm ready to hand in. But obviously, I'd love to over deliver and make the client really happy. Um, are there any easy ways, quick ways I can do that? Yeah. What um, are you writing all kinds of copy? Or are you mostly writing one type of copy, as in like, you know, sales letters, emails, Facebook ads, you know, that kind of stuff? Um, so far, just the sales letters. Cool. Yeah. So the biggest and easiest thing you can do is to give them some variance. So if it were me, I'd give them some alternative headlines to test, maybe give them three to five headlines. And you could even give them an alternative lead to test as well. So an alternative intro. Um, those things, you know, shouldn't take too long. Even if the, the, the lead is the first like couple hundred words of it, you know, it's like a bit of a different angle doing little things like that go a really long way. The one thing I found people do this when people have taken this advice that I've given, which is awesome. But as a client who hires copywriters, if somebody gives me a sales letter, but the first page is like 10 headlines, then I feel kind of like overwhelmed and I'm sort of annoyed. I'm like, why didn't you pick the best one? So I don't think you want to kind of overwhelm somebody with a ton of headlines. If anything, what I would do is I would give them the draft of the letter with whatever headline you think the best is. And then in a separate document, be like, Hey, here's three to five additional headlines that, you know, you can test or Hey, here's an additional lead I wrote. So you can test this as a variant. Just doing a little thing like that would differentiate you from 98% of the other freelancers out there who are all trying to like do the minimum amount of work and then just get paid and move on to the next project. So I think that's a really good place to start. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Next up, another good question. Lots of good questions. Good variety. We have Josh Knox, and he asks, first question, oh, first question. Do you ever get too close to the product you're writing about? And if so, 
how do you step back and get back to the right perspective? What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Doing really well, thanks. Good. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, so background is I've been basically trying to write a sales letter for the last 10 months for uh, this company that I'm working for. And I didn't find your RMBC until, of course, the copy accelerator stuff back in February. So since then, I've been uh, working on using that. But I feel like over the past 10 months of trying to run the marketing for this company, write a sales letter, had, I mean, everything you can think of that would launch the offer that they have. It, I feel like I'm now too close. And the reason that the guy that owns the company hired me was because I was completely outside of the industry that we're in. And so I, I still feel like I have a fresh perspective and I'm not jaded, but I also still, I also feel like I'm getting really close to it. And so I kind of get blinded by the copy that I've been writing for so long now. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, and you're not alone. I actually gave Ed that advice in the copy accelerator Facebook group just last night. Cause he's been working on something and he started kind of like overthinking it a little bit. Uh, the biggest things I do in those cases, I mean, one is if you can walk away from it, if you can just put it off for like a week or two and, and you know, at least a few days and come back to it, I do think that helps to come back with fresh eyes. I mean, you've been working on it. Let me understand that, Josh, because you've, you've been working on it for like 10 months, this letter. So, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of an overstatement. I've been working for the company as a contractor for the last 10 months, but it's to handle all of their marketing. I'm in effect a contracted CMO for the company. Got it. So in that time, um, you know, I, I used marketing tactics from my past, things like story brand, right? Where it tells you to simplify the message. And I, and like I said, I didn't find your approach to this until, you know, the early part of the year and then attended copy accelerator. So it's not that I've been writing this sales letter itself. It's that I've been going through the entire range of what marketing should be for their, this particular product. Right. Um, which is a no fee payment processing product. Right. And if you understand anything about the payment processing world, there is literally a million different combinations to come up with a payment processing program. So it's that where I feel like I get blinded, almost like it's so difficult to niche down into what I want to say that I, I keep pulling back and looking at the entirety of the puzzle. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, the way I, I think about for something like this, and I don't think, you necessarily need like a really long form sales letter for what you're selling. I think you can totally test that. And I mean, which is kind of maybe you're doing all these different marketing like kind of things. So you're already kind of doing that. Um, I'd look at probably like a seven to 10, 12 minute video for it. Um, or a script if you're gonna do that. And, but I would focus on the main pain point, which is like, I mean, people, what people hate are getting, hammered by surprise fees. I mean, the biggest thing is, is as someone who's run, you know, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars of transactions is like, I hate when I feel like I've made a certain amount of money. And then I look at all these random fees or these sort of things I paid for transactions and realize that it's eating into my profit. And that, uh, I feel like this never actually disclosed to me, right? It is, I mean, it is for sure. 
but you kind of think like the rates, whatever it is, like it's 3.5%. And you're like, okay, cool, 3.5%. But then you look at it and it's like actually an effective rate of 5% or 6% or something crazy. And that's a huge difference. Um, what Josh does in the company he works for, just for people, for context, uh, is they basically pass those fees on to the consumer. So the consumer pays your processing fees for you and it's completely legal and it's, it's like, uh, you know, supported by Visa and MasterCard or whatever. I mean, I'm not trying to, you're the expert in it, Josh, but it, it is a really cool thing. And then this is for like retail, physical retail merchants, people who are selling the stores, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it's a really cool thing. So I would probably focus on like the one or two really big pain points. And then, you know, the solution, which is pass it on to your consumer and then answering the objection of, is my consumer going to be pissed? Is the customer going to be pissed that I'm paying for the fees and really, you know, showing how it's not. And then giving those case studies and the proof elements, which is stuff you've been working on. The other thing, Josh, I would say is as CMO though, it may come a time where you just, if you're too close to this, like hire, just hire somebody or get them to, to agree to hire somebody. Like you don't have to pay, you know, $15,000 or $20,000 for the script. You can probably hire a good writer to write, a variant for like $2,000 or $3,000. And if they have the budget, maybe they'll hire a couple people and you can test a couple video scripts or text sales letters. Um, but because your role is CMO and not like the copywriter, I, I understand wanting to, to master copy. But in your case, the, maybe the best thing to do is to just remove yourself and, and be okay with that and make sure they're okay with it. But they should be because they didn't hire you to be the copywriter. They hired you to help grow their business and do the marketing and bring in new uh, customers and things like that. So... That's kind of what comes to my mind. Does that stuff make sense to you? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. And you did hit all the rules and regulations the right way. I mean, it's the program is 100% legal. And the pain points you talked about are the pain points that I research um, and have found in research. And so, and that's the main objection. Well, my customers will be pissed. So I keep going over this long form sales letter almost in an effort to, I think, in my own mind, understand how it's going to work for my consumer, which I think is a good thing. But then wondering, am I just saying, am I saying too much? Because some of the top people running this program right now, at least from our perspective, and when you try and use something like SimilarWeb or um, other products out there that look for these companies, there just isn't a lot of them. There might be two. Um, and those two people are really saying the same thing and the offer is the same from start to finish. And it is a direct offer, which is get 0% payment processing. And for whatever reason, we're not getting the sales like these other companies are. So everything that you says makes sense, that you're saying makes sense. It is where it's like, just like I said in the beginning, how do you get step back from being a little bit too close to it? And I, I asked this question in a different way in the uh, Justin and Stefan talk copy group, which was, should I write a long form sales letter and then just use that as my foundation for how I put the marketing messages out there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, everything you're saying makes sense. I, I would like to step back. Most of what we're doing just by way of background, cause I'll continue to ask questions on these calls cause it's Good. awesome what you're doing. But um what I feel like is um, is to write that letter, leave it be the foundation because we've got to get sales in order to support hiring more people. So I'm the starting gate to get more sales while at the same time trying to pull us up by our bootstraps, literally with very little, little budget to work with. So 
I do wonder, because your main call to action is to like book a call, right? It's like book a call, find out how. Yeah, I just want, I just want to get our sales team leads coming in the door. Yeah. And I think for that, like, yeah, you just really don't need a long form letter. I think, again, if you want to write one just so you, it's beneficial to you on some level, then go for it. Uh, but I think it really needs to be, we've, you know, a, a brilliant way to uh, provide zero fee, like merchant processing and transactions so that business owners get more money in their pocket and can grow their business and thrive. You know what I mean? Like find out how like completely, you know, completely compliant, completely legal, supported by the big companies and uh, you know, whatever click here. And then like some testimonials back around it. Um, I, you know, I just, I just feel like a simple, that's kind of what your first page was, I feel like, but maybe even then you overcomplicated it. I remember seeing the very first landing page when you were in copy accelerator briefly before the uh, event when we put everyone in there. Um, but yeah, I just focus on that. Like just a really clear, clean value proposition and put a little more onus on the sales team on the call to explain how it works. Cause you don't have to give away too much. I think you want to get people interested and then just show like testimonials and social proof that other people are doing this and it really is working. So like they believe it works and they trust it and then get them on the call and let the sales team do the work. And then there, there's a copy opportunity too, right? Cause like I'm sure they have scripts. So maybe there's some stuff to play with there for the sales team so they can close or convert people at a higher rate. But that, um, that's the way I think about it. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and because we did drive leads before, um, and, and the way the profit structure works in payment processing, which you might be aware of is I could spend probably $500 to get a client. And in the first two months, I'll be profitable. And then because the way payment processing works long-term, the profit margin's huge. Yeah. So that's why I found the copy accelerator so fascinating. One, from the copy perspective, but two, because a lot of what direct response copywriting is, is in getting hundreds and thousands of sales a day. And I literally need to make one sale a day to generate a million in net income yeah. from this program. So it's like, where do you draw the line of what you're what you're doing? Yeah, no, totally. Well, I be, hey, Ed, real quick, I want to get your because you've done a lot of like lead gen stuff, like when your previous job and copy and funnels and things of that nature, and you're helping some people with like lead gen stuff right now as well. Um, you know, in your experience of doing those types of funnels, is it including including you've done lead gen more than it was to get somebody on a call right for high ticket things that you were trying to close? Um, what are some of your experiences with, as far as the messaging, the length of the page, the copy goes, all that kind of stuff? I think it's a really good, great question. So totally put you on gen, the spot. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. I'm used to it. I, I've had worse situations. I've been put on the spot. It's fine. Um, by lead gen, basically just going to do a phone call, right? Yeah. Book a call. Got it. Um, actually the best that I've ever seen, uh, we had this one page going for quite a while and it sold a $2,500 course uh, to cold traffic. I think it was converting. It wasn't like crazy good, but it was like, it was pretty good um, with no optimization or nothing. It was like this, I think like 10 or 15 page sales letter where it basically broke, like it had like the, the big idea and it kind of like broke down explaining what the idea was about and then just book a call for more information to see if you apply or you qualify. And that seemed to work really well, actually. I think we were getting like, I think it was like between $1,000 to $2,000 
for every $2,500 purchase. And, and our LTV was, you know, insane. So it was totally affordable. It made sense. That's cool. And that was for a really high ticket. Because the cool thing with, like, Josh, is there like a startup fee for them to get started? No, it's, and that's a really good question because oftentimes when we do talk to leads, they're like, it just sounds too good to be true. So it can't be true. It's that classic, what we're really offering and it really works does sound too good to be true because we can take an, like our average client would be, would be processing 50 K a month in card sales. Um, and their average ticket might be $25. So this works like really great in restaurants or convenience stores or stuff like that. Um, and we can save that person about $1,500 a month on average with no startup costs. And the second you say that to somebody, their mind's just blown. Um, and, and they immediately, like their cognitive dissonance just kicks in like, you can't believe it. that could never work for me. I've never experienced that. I don't even know anyone that's experiencing that. And so it just blows their mind. But the short answer is no, there's no startup costs. Yeah, perfect. So for that, I really feel like, um, yeah, just like getting them to book the call and and uh, focus on that value proposition kind of, and then social proof and then kind of handling their cognitive dissonance on the call as much as possible. To me, I think that's probably going to be the most successful funnel. Um, a really uh, a great lesson I learned from one of my buddies, he said the other day, which was really cool, is uh, marketing should make sales pretty much like useless. Meaning like your marketing is so good, like any, any schmuck can get on the phone and close it. And that's what I've been after. That's why the long form sales letter for me so that I can put my sales team in a position to just take the order. Like, Hey, I heard everything you said. I love it. I want it. How can I for get sure. Yeah. That's what I'm after. So if, if the cognitive dissonance thing is like a, a real issue for your, um, your sales team, definitely I'd recommend that you address that in your copy. Like, before you even talk about the fact that there's no upfront cost, maybe you just like really address it and how it works. Cause I think if they can understand how it works and even be transparent about the business model, I think that might actually help quite a bit. Cause it's like, Hey, you know what? We don't charge up front because we want to be different, but we do charge to do X, Y, Z, or I, I forget what your exact business model is, but I think just that extra layer of transparency can help remove the, if it's too good to be true because what people forget about is sure, there may not be any upfront cost, but they, they forget there's costs afterwards for whatever reason. So they, they think if there's no cost up front, it's free. But if you can be like, well, sure, there's no cost up front, but you know, we do charge X, Y, Z over time or whatever it is. It helps remove some of that, um, resistance because people are like, Oh, it's free. It can't like, it, it sounds too good. You know? Yeah, no, I, it makes sense. It makes sense to me completely. It's the person that we're talking to that they just can't, we haven't figured out how to get them over that hump. The first response is oh, my customers will never go for it. That's always the first response. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is in the market that we're after the fee that we're passing on to the average customer is a dollar. Yeah, which is like the customers just don't mind that often. <laughs> Nobody I mean, cares about a dollar. <laughs> you can even test like a headline of essentially being like, my customers will never go for that. Like, 
you know, like literally as like the headline or the, the first lines, like that's what so-and-so told me. In fact, I hear it all the time when I explain that they can actually pass on all the merchant processing fees to their customer, increase their profit margin by X percent and put Y amount of money back into their business. And yet it keeps happening again and again. So-and-so in Buffalo did this at their restaurant and found that they had an extra $25,000 in their checking account at the end of the first quarter. So another person did this, another person did that. And right now I'll show you how you can do the same thing to ethically pass on your processing fees to happily paying customers without having to spend a penny up front and without having to make any long-term contractual commitments or something of that nature. I think, um, you know, maybe something where that whole lead is just like, you know, basically, Hey, people thought, you know, they laughed, they laughed when I told them they could get no, uh, yeah. you know, thing, but, um, that kind of stuff. So Josh, I want to, I do want to hop on to some other calls here. Yeah, yeah, um, you're good. Thank you. Bro. Thank you. Really of course, man. Glad it's recorded. Now I can extract it out and reveal what you just said. Yeah. hundred percent, dude. Thanks yeah. for, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for the question. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.